Welcome once again to Houndstooth Heroes. If you are new to the program, you can find us on Facebook or on Twitter at H2th Heroes. My name is Greg Dawkins, and I am joined again, and as always, by my friend and co-host, Ellis Metz. A little housekeeping first. We would not be here if it weren't for the good people at Wild Bill's Wing Sauce, fresh of a Best in Show Award, the World Hot Sauce Award. So congrats to friend of the program, Bill Howard, for keeping us in tasty sauces. Bill's added a sweet and sour sauce to the lineup, and as always, you can find him at wildbillsauce.com or anywhere Bama Wise products are sold. That's right, and uh, speaking of friends of the program, we also would not be here without our good friends at Druid City Brewing in Tuscaloosa. They always keep us in the tastiest of suds. Uh, among our favorites are the Riverside Saison, the Downtown North Porter, and their Lamplighter IPA, which really hit the spot. Uh, here's a hot tip for all you heroes. Park there at the game. Walk to the stadium. It's the best deal in town. And speaking of cold beverages tonight, what you drinking, Gregory? Ah, well, tonight I am cheating on Druid City because it's not available here in Orange Beach, Alabama. But I am enjoying a delicious Avondale Battlefield IPA. Uh, and if you're on our Twitter account at H2th Heroes, you saw the picture of the delicious Battlefield IPA as I pre-gamed this podcast. What about you, Mr. Metz? Like you do. I am drinking another Tennessee bread beer. I've got the Ananda from Wiseacre in Memphis. Oh, really? It's a nice, uh, I think it's like a double hopped IPA, 6.1%. It's juicy, really hits the spot. Never heard of that beer. I might want to try that. You should look into it. I, uh, I was at the store and that one jumped out. But I've got to say, it is August, late August, practically September. And my store is already stocked with pumpkin beers. Have you seen it? God. It, it gets earlier and earlier every year, but I and want to get your take on it. You a fan? You love? You hate? I hate a pumpkin. Do you? Thing. Hate anything. Pumpkin beer especially is disgusting. But the, my biggest problem, however, is the pumpkin Starbucks, Starbucks business. Uh, you know how I hate that. You're anti-basic. It's just so basic, I swear. Shout out to Stevie and her basic self, uh, who loves her some pumpkin spice latte. Uh, but no, I'm anti-pumpkin beer completely. It's ironic because you're uh, currently podcasting with one of the most basic people that come to mind. Uh, I, I go back and forth on pumpkin, and this year I've noticed a little interesting phenomenon because last year I felt like I only got summer beers for two weeks. Right. And then the, it was just pumpkin everything. And so Fair. this year I was cognizant of that and jumped on the summer beers super early have stayed on summer throughout. And I got to say, by the end of August right now, I'm kind of ready for the pumpkin. Really? Really? I, the most basic. I've never had pegged you as basic, but here we are. Well, here we are. Right. And while we're talking about basic people who love pumpkin beers, you know who I bet just loves him a pumpkin beer? Who is that? Stingray. God, he's the worst. Stingray. So our nemesis, Stingray. That's right. Heroes, we are introducing a new segment. Uh, it's called, What Did Stingray Do This Week? Oh, Clever dumb. name. Clever name. Dumb. Uh, and, and in that segment, we're going to discuss our arch nemesis, one Stingray, who uh, I'll let Greg describe. All right. Stingray, here's the deal with Stingray. Stingray is Stephen Ray, who was a, he's a University of Alabama alum, who I think majored, majored in weathermanning. Manning. <laughs> 
Um, I, I, there's probably a name for it. I don't really know, but I'm calling it weathermanning. I, I think actually at UA, it's uh, the James Spann School of Meteorology. Right, because if... Of, of retweeting if, meteorology. Right, because me. if anything happens in the entire state of Alabama, everybody has to let James Spann know about it. And it's he will the, retweet it. It's the most bizarre thing in all of Twitter. Anything, I mean, like... He's someone, probably second on our list of arch nemesis, yeah, we will, Yes, we're going to have a beef with Spam for, Spam before the week is out. Uh, but yeah, it's every... My baby was born to tweet at the weatherman. Yeah, uh, here's the sun rose, the tweet the weatherman. It's bizarre. But nevertheless... Keeping the beef where it belongs on Stingray, he measured in weathermanning, and now he's become somehow became a Moo Yu fan. And you you may have seen his rants on YouTube, and if you haven't, we would recommend those highly. And now he's become some sort of fine bomb groupie. Uh, he is a we became aware of him because he is friends with friend of the program Justin Hurley. Um, who described him as a, you know, uh, just didn't see any signs of this budding celebrity. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're sick of him, and we're announcing, we're officially announcing a beef. So, Stingray, you're on notice. That's right. And, and just a quick shout out that is friend of the program, Justin Hurley, who once gave the heroes a shout out on stage uh, in Lower Broadway of Nashville before just what I can only describe as a stirring rendition of Pony. Pony. Genuine's pony, yeah. So early on the pony. I know. So he and Stingray, they're sitting in class, Reese Pfeiffer Hall in Tuscaloosa. But uh, this week, as we look at what did Stingray do this week, right? Uh, that crazy guy. I'll just tell you, he dressed up as Zorro, the and, gay blade. Yes, and not once but twice. Mm -hmm. uh, he put on his little mask. He the mask, I guess, made two appearances. One, he just had a hat. The first time was to make a meme, hashtag moors making memes? Moo memes. Moo memes, Klinga making memes, something. We'll work on that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and posted my work here is done about the Ole Miss sanctions, which was kind of hilarious. <clears throat> but you're not, don't, don't get a big head, Stingray. We're still coming after you. Yeah. Uh, the, the second time he put on his Zorro mask was some sort of Texas Tech video I went down the guy's timeline, which is just this eclectic, it's like a museum of the bazaar. And, and he was doing a top ten, so he dressed up like a Texas Tech Raider. Raider. Uh, it's so many videos. I haven't seen somebody that athletic make that many videos since the last time I visited Tim Tebow's Instagram account. It's bizarre. Kaboom. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's, that's our first new segment. What did Stingray do this week? We just, we just told you. Right, but uh, do we have a second? We have a second new segment, do we not? We absolutely do, and uh, we'll we'll get right down to business with the USC game looming. Our second new segment is called Heroes History. Woo! Heroes history. Uh, uh, with that promising introduction, I think that was all we had. Uh, Greg, you're now going to let us have a glimpse into the storied rivalry between Alabama and USC. It's exactly the case, Ellis. Uh, the USC series goes back all the way back to the Rose Bowl era, mm -hmm. when Alabama traveled to the left coast and returned with victories over the men of Troy in 1938 and 1946. The modern series, however, began back in 1970, when USC rolled into Birmingham in one of the more important games in not just Alabama football history, but football history itself. USC at that time was an integrated squad, and Alabama, as you know, was not. So Coach Bryant 
and USC's John McKay were apparently very, very close friends. And the tales are told that Bryant bought, brought uh, USC down to Birmingham specifically to whip our ass with this integrated squad, and boy, did they do just that. Mm -hmm. So on the strength of Sam Cunningham, their running back, uh, USC came down and won 42-21. to 21. It really was not that close. Um, you can watch a Showtime documentary on that game called Against the Tide, if you're so willing. Uh, we would highly recommend it. In fact, we're going to post a link that is not through the Showtime thing. It is actually a pirate feed uh, because we're those kind of people over on houndstoothheroes.com. If you want to go see it, and you should, head on over and check it out. Uh, the university integrated the program the next year, did they not? They did, yeah, that's exactly right. With, shout out to hashtag 251, uh, your boy John Mitchell, Adam Mobile, he went on to become the first black player uh, under Coach Bryant, first black player at the University of Alabama, he was under Coach Bryant. Uh, eventually went on, had a great career at Alabama, became the team captain, uh, played for the Steelers for a while. Oh, didn't know that. Yeah, had an NFL career, and then uh, later on became the first African-American assistant on Coach Bryant's staff. So we'll give USC, I suppose, a little bit of credit for spurring that uh, late transition on for us. The next year, so that was 1971, the Tide went out to California and came home a 17-10 victor. I like to call that team the Mr. Steelio Girls. Exactly, and a little fun fact, that was when we went out there and debuted the wishbone on them. Is it? Yeah, in fact, I learned all that from, I, I think I knew it, but I learned it all from, you know, the documentary I was talking about. Yeah, we went over to, uh, Coach Bryant went over to see Daryl Royal when he was at Texas, and they were running the bone, and so we just went over there, learned it, they put up fences, I mean, like, curtains around the practice area, and ran everybody off, you know how they, you know how they are sit on the, uh, in the apartments across by the practice field now mm -hmm. and watch the practice. Well, Coach Bryant ran everybody off. Nobody could watch the practices. And there were curtains up because we didn't nobody knew what was going on. We went out to California and debuted the wishbone on them and still barely won, but nevertheless pulled it out. Pulled the wishbone out. I like that. Mm -hmm. uh, later in the 70s, the Tide and Trojans did another home-and-home. Home. Gregory, I know how you feel about a home-and-home. Home. Love. Love. It's just such a great way to see college towns. Right, right. And, and that a was game well. down at Jerry World yeah. takes that away. There's just so much you can do in Arlington, Texas. But yeah, anyway, yeah, on. Uh, anywho, um, the visitor again won both times in that series. The Tide won in 1977 by a point, 21-20. Lost 24-14 in 1978. Uh, of course, those were the days of split national championships. There was the AP and the UPI, so despite losing head-to-head -head against USC, your Tide still claimed part of that 78 championship. Like we do. Ain't giving it back. Ain't, no, absolutely. No refunds, brother. I mean, like somebody put, put it out the other day, like about the claiming business. I mean, a lot of people have beefed with us about the claiming national championships. I'm sorry, when somebody gives you a gift, do you refuse it? No. I mean, they I said, you're champions. We're like, all right, we're champions. Fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are, what are you supposed to do, say no? Anyway, the last time the Trojans and Alabama tied up was in the 1985 Cotton Bowl in, I mean, Cotton Bowl, Aloha Bowl in Honolulu, Hawaii. <laughs> Almost as prestigious, really. Right, quite, quite as prestigious. Well, the university won 24-3, rounding out Alabama's 5-2 and two record against USC, and thus concludes another exciting edition, well, the first edition, really, right. of Heroes History. History.
I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. Uh, Moving on to a segment that I think will be much more familiar to our listeners and and probably much much less factually accurate. Do we hate USC? Oh, good God, do we ever hate USC? Do we hate USC? I have so many reasons to hate USC. Would you kick us off? Huh? Would you kick us off? Yeah, I will kick us off. Okay, first of all, it's just that West Coast thing, first of all. I don't care for that. Don't care for Pete Carroll. Never have liked him. Uh, Matt Leinert's a douche. Carson Palmer's a douche. Reggie Bush, they cheat about as good as old Miss cheats. I mean, they're horrible at, at everything they do. Now, but that has all been eclipsed in the last week over this band geek situation regarding the song oh, Tusk. Lord. Now, I know. I was had a pretty strong opinion about the song Tusk. Like most people do, I can't stand it. Because it was, if you're familiar, uh, the USC band recorded the song Tusk with Fleetwood Mac in, let's say, 79. Is that what happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. They recorded it uh, with them. So I kind of thought it was, in you know, usurping, if you will, Mm -hmm. something that was basically theirs. However, in the last week, it has come out that they're all pissy about it that we play Tusk. Well, I'm sorry. If you're going to get all pissy about it, I hope we play it a thousand times. I hope we play it every time we have a play. I hope they never hear anything but Tusk running through their minds. I, I couldn't agree stronger. Right. I, and, and the fact is, I mean, nobody else in the SEC plays it. We've had it as our sort of semi-thing for a while now. So right. they just need to get over it. Right, exactly. So Let me you know, start on my list, what do you which is lengthy. Uh, let me, here's, here, I'll set the scene. Alabama, many people, when they think of the University of Alabama, think of the Greek system. I would say that we are known for our Greek system. You know who fought in the Trojan War? The Greeks versus the Trojans. Right, right. So meanwhile, while, while Alabama is known for its Greekness, Troy, probably not even a real place. Despite the findings of noted archaeologist and probably Barner, Heinrich Schliemann, God, we still don't even think Troy really existed. He sounds and even like if a... they did, the Trojans lost the Trojan War. Their we, own war, they lost it. We popped into that wall with the horse. Sucks <laughs> to suck. Greeks for life. Secondly, and, and if you guys weren't, or, or sorry, Guy, listener Fred. Hey, Fred. Shout out. Uh, if you weren't already impressed with the research we've done for this podcast, I'm about to take it a whole nother level. <laughs> Your boy suffered through an entire USC Trojan podcast. Mm. I did it. I downloaded it on my phone, did the whole thing. And I've just got to tell you about it because it was really one of the more eye-opening experiences I've had uh, in this hero's lifestyle. Um, So it starts, they have this reporter, I guess, is a major beat writer that covers uh, (laughs) USC football or USC athletics. And first off, it it was... a pretty polished podcast, something that you and I would know absolutely nothing about. We are fantastic. What are you? Yeah, doing? well, there. Well, we have music now. Shout out to the we DJ. Do. Right, right. DJ uh, Ants Club up in here, y'all. Yeah, I, yeah, I got nothing. We're DJ popping, David Palmer. We popping bottles, yo. <laughs> That's right. So they had this great music. They had this catchphrase where it came on, and he was like, "Hello, Trojans," or something weird. Uh, <laughs> and then they even had an underwear sponsorship, which we may look into. Right, we yeah, yeah. could use. We could uh, always use so this. anyway, they, they do this whole thing, and it's fancy and showy, and then they introduce this sports writer, and the host says something along the lines of, you know, there's a, one really hot topic going around 
a Trojan country that I, I understand you have a thought on, and we'd love to just let you start off talking about that. And apparently, and again, this would have gone totally, I think, unnoticed in uh, the Southeast, L.A. is up in arms that Coach Helton, Chad Helton out there at USC, is running his practices too soft. Too soft? Yeah, the, the, the writer had to address right away, you know, I think everybody's talking about how little hitting they're doing, and, and that it's just there's not much conditioning and, you know, not a lot of contact for this late in the fall. But I would just point out, he was like, Alabama had a scrimmage get kind of rained out that they had to move around, and so they're not doing much either. And then he said, and this is what really put me over the edge, he said, but, you know, I think this team's ready to take on those really, really tough teams like, or really, really, uh, what he used, he said, tough and physical, really, really tough and physical teams like your Alabamas and your Stanfords. Oh. Your oh Stanfords. Stanford. He put us in the same sentence as a Stanford. Right. Okay. Really, yeah, really, really grinded my gears, if you will. Uh, next on my list of things that I truly hate, and I didn't, I didn't actually realize, again, we're just such a well-researched bunch here at Houndstooth Heroes, uh, their, their athletic director, longtime Southern Cal athletic director, Pat Hayden. Oh, he's the worst. Dude, just, like, officially denoted as the worst throughout history. He ran out on the field last year, caused a whole scene. I mean, that's it's what happens when you hire children to run your football team. Shout out to Lane Kiffin. Uh, but so he is gone, only to be replaced by one Lynn Swan, who I also hate because he was born and lived the first two, two whole years of his life in Alcoa, Tennessee, which, as you know, as a, as a born and bred Maryville Red Rebel... I just, I just hate an Alcoa tornado. I tell you that much. You always find a way, don't you? <laughs> uh, Maryville High School did get a shout out on ESPN this week. I gotta say, I'm not mad about it. Uh, did not know about Lynn Swan. Of course, obviously a, uh, a famous Pittsburgh Steeler. He's probably in the NFL Hall of Fame. Who cares? But he was appointed by one George W. Bush, President George W. Bush, as quote chairperson of the President's Council. On fitness, sports, and nutrition. Well, now here's Unquote. the thing: Lynn Swan is a ballerina. Did you know that? He is a ballerina. You're right. Noted ball ballerina. Noted. Lynn ballerina. Swan. An athletic director, Lynn Swan. I was about to call him a ballerinist. Mm-hmm. Not a thing. Exactly. Not uh, a thing. And then there's there's one point that really, I think we're going to get to later, but needs to be driven home, and that's the the T Martin issue. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get okay, to you want to save it? Yeah, we'll save it. Just All right. hate him so much. Yeah, I know. God. I know. Oh, yeah, a traitor to his state. It just it, a traitor to my whole, my whole region, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, well, let's go ahead and take a look at uh, the game itself, which is really why everybody came to listen to this awful podcast. USC replaced Steve Star Sarkeesian last year. Who apparently kept showing up drunk to things, which is, is apparently frowned upon. Mm. Uh, right. Uh, and replaced him with the coaching assistant by the name of Chad Helton, who was the player's choice. Mm -hmm. He was an assistant. I'm not sure what he assisted, but I think he was on the offense somehow. Um, anyway, he finished the season 6-2 and two as the interim coach, but then when he was named the permanent guy, he managed to roll out an 0-2 record. Love that. Uh, right now. Preseason, USC is ranked number 17 and number 20 by various sources. 
but the whole weird little F plus slash minus factor thing, I'm not real sure how that works, but apparently it's a better deal than just ranking teams. I don't really know why. Bill Connolly does it, and apparently it has a better bearing on how good a team's going to be. But anyway, they, he has them in the top ten. So we suspect they're probably underrated because, in reality, there is talent all over the field on this team. Uh, so specifically, uh, Alice, what should we look at when Alabama has the ball? What they got going on on defense? When Alabama has the ball, so Coach Helton, aforementioned Coach Helton, brought back their defensive coordinator, Clancy Pendergast. Mm-hmm. No, no relation to Clarence, uh, who Sarkeesian had previously dismissed uh, under Pendergast's tenure. The USC defense was 13th in the country, and then he left for the 49ers. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. Uh, He left for the the 49ers under uh, Sarkeesian, because apparently Sarkeesian... Dismissed under Sarkeesian. Yeah, dismissed under Sarkeesian. Maybe he did the 49ers. I don't know. And then uh, came back under Helton. Yes. Research. Right. Uh, So they actually, on their defense, have seven five-star recruits. Uh, but just have this glaring weakness on the defensive line, particularly the interior of that line, which I've got to say is classic Pac-10 or 14 or whatever they are. Classic. Uh, They have only one current starter with more than two games of experience there on the interior of the line. However, your boy Pendergast, formerly of the 49ers, runs a 5-2 front, so he'll have two linebackers back dropping into coverage. Uh, which should help shore up the line when they come up forward. Uh, but again, gives us a lot of space. I think over the middle, sort of those quick slants you will see all night, which also play into some of our strengths. Uh, their linebacking core is solid, however. I mean, they have a history of some pretty good linebackers coming out of there. Would not call them LBU. We're pretty much every position U at this point. But, that's a side note. Uh, the real strength of USC is their secondary the Trojans have a Dory Jackson, I think I'm saying that right, okay, and yes. Iman Marshall. Uh, they're two experienced guys. They're big-time playmakers. I believe a Dory is a guy, uh, there was a video that leaked in the offseason of a USC player doing like a million handsprings and backflips and all this stuff on the practice field. I want to say that was one a Dory. Yeah. Uh, so given that Alabama may not have anyone who can throw the deep ball, Hopefully we will um, avoid that, that part of the field. Their effect may be negligated by that, but if we do, it could end up disastrous. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, let's talk real quick while we're talking about offense. The Alabama quarterback situation kind of got uh, some issues resolved in a sort of a way this, today. You want to uh, tell the listener what happened there? Yeah, there, there's been a depth chart to come out, and Saban has now told reporters that it's officially down to Bateman and hashtag Bay, Blake mm-hmm. Barnett. Uh, this well, is, mm-hmm. if you'd asked me three weeks or a month ago, this is exactly what I would have predicted, but in recent weeks there have been all sorts of rumors, as you may or may not have heard, uh, about one Jalen Hurts getting the majority of the snaps with the first-team offense. So everyone got all twisted up, and I, I, I don't know what to make of it. What do you think? Well, okay. Here's what I think about it. I'm a little shocked, number one, that Hertz is not in the mix. Because from everything that everybody has seen, for the program, Thomas Walker, with, with, if you have read his breakdown with the Roll Bama Roll, uh, it's pretty comprehensive of what he saw when he was there for the Red Alpha Club scrimmage. 
Uh, and he got, I mean, it was uh, his impression, and I think everyone else who was there, their impression was Hertz was uh, far away the best quarterback on the field. Uh, but am I surprised? Not really. And I don't, my take on it is this. Now, first of all, I come into this with some bias because everybody knows my undying love for Blake Barnett. Sure, sure. Uh, but Cooper Bateman, I, for re, trying to read between the lines what Saban said was this. Cooper Bateman understands the offense, but the skills just aren't there, which is what we saw in the Ole Miss game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake Barnett understands the offense as well, but the skills are there. So, you know, does does the... You know, does Bateman, with the with the experience and the time, does he get the nod over Barnett when they, and eventually Barnett? Do they do they switch out? I don't know. I'd be real shocked if Barnett is not the quarterback uh, uh, going forward at some point. You know, I, I don't know if it'll be the USC game, but I'd be real. And, and Western Kentucky is next; they may split that. But by the time Ole Miss rolls around, somebody's going to have to. You know, they got to pull the trigger on somebody. And I have the feeling that Barnett's going to out, outperform Bateman. I think if Hertz was in the mix, I think he might outperform them both. But yeah. since we've eliminated him, uh, of those two, uh, I'm going to lean Barnett. What about yourself? I think I think everything you said is accurate. Although I'm not quite ready to deem Jalen Hurts out of the mix. I mean, maybe everything we've been hearing and people have been seeing uh, was misguided. Maybe Saban was trying to throw. Uh, opponents for a loop and even right now making this announcement which was out of character for him he could be trying to throw people for a loop that's it could be a total shell it could it, be hurt it could. that's sort of a message board uh theory i think but um you know last year even though coker started against wisconsin saban was in no way sort of sold on him obviously by by starting bateman against Ole miss so i i do think bateman will start against usc do I think he'll be our number one quarterback, let's say, the week after Ole Miss? Uh, no. And and I, while I think Barnett obviously has sort of the inside lane, I'm not ready to rule out Hurts quite yet. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, uh, let's take a look at what happens when USC has the ball. We're going to introduce you to a little bit about the USC offense. First and most ridiculously, as we alluded to, mm. SC's offensive coordinator is none other than hated Vol T. Martin. How does he continue to be this thorn that just like never goes away? I know. Just go I, away, T. Go away. I, I know. I mean, like, like I think we said earlier, a traitor to his own state. And as a native of Mobile, Alabama, I'm particularly offended that he's gone out there and sold his soul to the USC Trojans. I agree completely, although I will just insert a fun fact that is sort of just coming back to me. When I was a freshman at school, maybe, I don't know, sometime early in my collegiate career, uh, I got to sit in a box at the Georgia Dome for one of those games that we started the season with, which was like the highlight of my life, still is. Uh, And in that box, not only was Saran Stacy, who is a true hashtag hero, but but T. Martin was in that box, and somehow I ended up sitting next to him, and we chatted for a while, and he He's seemed to, I, I don't think he was coaching then, maybe he was with the smaller school, uh, but he was definitely pulling for the tide, best I remember. Really? We don't want that, though. That, doesn't change, the, that doesn't change the fact that he's Get smaller. out of our side. Exactly. All right. Well, getting on to the uh, nuts and bolts of all this situation. The Trojans, uh, last week, named junior Max Brown as a starting quarterback. Brown 
was the consensus high school player of the year in the same year that Cooper Bateman came out. And they know each other very well because they played against each other, uh, if not in regular high school, in some of those all-star things. Um, he is the prototypical pro-style quarterback. He's not going to uh, run around and, and, and dodge the defense. He's going to sit in the pocket and make do, do his reads and make his throws. Uh, however, uh, it was kind of surprising to a lot of people at USC that he was really pushed till the last week by freshman Sam Darnold, who is provides kind of a more of a run threat, uh, kind of a dual threat type quarterback. But all the USC blogs and 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 you know reporters that I've read say they don't expect they fully expect Darnold to be used in situa- situational capacities to take care of his particular. Uh, his particular skill set. Um, outside, yeah, outside of quarterback, the rest of the USC is going to look the same as the 2015 version. Um, everybody is back. The top two running backs, top two receivers, all back. Uh, the Trojans offensive line is something to deal with. They have a combined 131 career starts, which is tied for the second most in the football bowl subdivision. It's an O-line unit that is generally regarded as the best in college football. Now, I read something recently today, and I can't find it when I was looking for it, that one of their guys may be out on the O-line. And if yes. that's the case, and I can't think of that dude's name. Yes. And, you know, what do you, did you find well, it? I can't think of his name either, but the other thing I heard on the podcast, and it leads me to believe that maybe it's their center, hashtag research. Guys, we are so good. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this sports writer said that literally all from, from spring to summer to fall, uh, they're center to quarterback exchange has been awful right apparently it's mostly in shotgun but there's just some sort of disconnect and he was like complaining that helton won't bring the center around for every offensive drill and let the quarterback take an actual snap because of course this guy knows how to coach coach football better than helton but it it may that leads me to believe it could be the center oh interesting here we are well and also in addition uh the running backs are fine but the real threat is a junior wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. Who Say that is again? Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju, like the, a, like, the a, like the movie theater candy. A Juju. A Juju, exactly. Uh, he is, but he is, nevertheless, name aside, he's probably the best returning wide out in the country based on his numbers. He had 89 catches for 1,454 yards, 10 touchdowns in 2015, converted to 70% of his third down receptions into first downs. So that's something to deal with, especially when you have, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to say our secondary is going to be bad again, but it's always a, a source of complaint. Uh, maybe this year we had the best secondary in the country. I don't know. But until I see it, I won't believe it. I totally agree, and I'm just hung up on the name Juju. Right. I it's, a, it's a term my grandmother used to use, but I don't think she meant it in the same way this guy means it. <laughs> all Anywho. Right. Anywho. Uh, all right. Well, I've got one question that's been bogging, brother, bleh, bothering me all week. You tell, brother. I'm going to tell you all about it. All right. As you know, ESPN, for all their faults, has arranged a fantastic slate of games for Saturday People have known it as the best opening weekend ever. There are literally seven games that you cannot miss, uh, starting with Oklahoma. Houston at 11, going all the way through to Auburn playing Clemson at 8. But the problem that presents, if you are a, a drinking fellow, as we tend to be, um, what are your strategies for maintaining 
throughout an 11-hour drinking fiesta? Well, I'll just say I'm glad you asked because this is certainly something I've been putting some thought into really the entire offseason, not just okay. not even just this week. Uh, here's what I've decided on, and, and right. I want your feedback on this. So I don't typically recommend what I would call brunch drinks mm -hmm. uh, for, for a college game day. That's, you know, the mimosas and the Bloody Marys, things like that. I typically like to dive in head first. Right, just sort of, just sort of go all in and, and get it over with, uh, but but right out of the gate for this season, we've got a marathon, mm -hmm. and we we are not trying to get this one over with. So I think the prescription here is to nurse, not a nurse, to nurse. Right. I mean, I mean, if you if you got that too, roll tide. Well, but you know, no but. doubt, no doubt. So what I'm recommending to our heroes, Fred. Uh, uh -huh. I think you start out with either whatever your preference is, a Bloody Mary or a mimosa, I'll probably go Bloody Mary. Maybe a screwdriver if you're really feeling good, but I would probably hold off even on that. I think once you get to sort of early to mid-afternoon, then you can start on just some frosty beers. Right. Just have a couple barley pops, keep it going, watch all the games you can. Uh, then, much like the Alabama quarterback situation, I think you have to make a game-time decision once Alabama's kickoff rolls around. Typically, mm. I always prefer the brown stuff for a game. I just, I don't know if it's superstitious or uh, necessary, but that may be a lot to ask considering we have such a late kickoff uh, after a day that will start, I suspect, at 11, if not before. 11 seems a little late, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so as always, that's my strategy, but I've got to say the heroes, we urge tasteful and responsible discretion here. Right. Fair enough, fair enough, fair What'd enough. What do you think? Uh, well, okay, like you, I'm not a fan of moderation. Uh, I enjoy moderation in moderation, let's be frank. Uh, however, in this case, I'm going to have to concur with you. Uh, generally, all right, generally I'm not a fan of eating before I drink because, you know, it tends eating tends to aid in responsible decision-making, uh, which I'm not a fan of. Right, right. But in this case... I will say an exception is probably required. You're going to want to lay a nice base of food and keep something on hand throughout the day. Because, frankly, this entire day is counterintuitive. I mean, like you said, just you know, you just can't go balls to the wall at 11 o'clock in the, in the morning and expect to be functional for a 7 o'clock kick. Uh, so while the heroes generally don't abide the light American lager beers, uh, on Saturday you may want to stick with something like a Miller Lite, something to get oh, you man. Yeah, I know it's hor it's a horrible idea, but yet, you know this is this is a strategy. You know, it, sometimes you got to suffer for your art, and this is the case this time. Uh, so while the temptation is there, we're going to urge you to avoid all shots at all costs until the Alabama kickoff at seven, and then hey guys, do whatever you want to do. That's right, turn up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's a very important point. I think you just made shots uh, any time before kickoff this weekend are a horrible idea. Exactly. Speaking of horrible ideas. Uh, we as uh, we can't here, wait to see what you do here. I know we here at House Youth Heroes are prone to uh, place a better two, and they're always horrible. Mm -hmm. But we are going to take a look at this this week's slate of games, and we're going to hate on some teams, including our hate of the week of the week of the week of the week. I can't really remember how we did the echo last time, so we're I, just not. I think it was the same as you just did. We're not. Just, yeah, we're not gonna. That was a great segue, by the way. Oh, thank you. You impressed me. Uh-huh, I'm good that way. All right, first up, in games we don't care about, 
Vanderbilt is your home team taking on the University of South Carolina, and Vandy is favored, and that's weird to say out loud, mm -hmm. Vandy is favored by three and a half points. Who are you hating here, Ellis Metz? Speak for yourself on games we don't care about. This is my hometown doors. Really a lifelong fan, Anchor Down. Right. I know. You, you've got so many teams. I mean, down. <laughs> oh, your fault. Stop. 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 Uh, I will probably be in attendance, so look for me on TV. I'll be the guy there. Right. The guy right. there. Uh, I, I don't know. This is must champ with just an entirely new squad. I mean, he doesn't have anything I, to work with. Nothing. I, I think even in his head between his ears, he has even less to work with. Mm -hmm. uh, so while I don't have much faith, or at least as much faith as I've heard a lot of people putting on Derek Mason this year, I think the doors get it done here, and I like their defense to come up big. Yeah, I tend to agree. If I'm going to have to pick on the spread, I'm going to go doors. But to be honest, the play is the under here. Heroes, either one of these teams can score points. I don't even know what the total is, but whatever it is, these teams are going under it. Yeah, it's low. So yeah, we're both hating the cocks. Yeah, have you have you even have you seen the total on this? You know, I have, but it's it's you know, had a beverage or two since. Fair enough. All right, uh, moving on to another one of your favorite teams, Vol is. Uh, giving 20 to the Appalachian State, whatever they are. Uh, anyway. Are Mountaineers? I don't know. Anyway, it's a 20-point spread. Who are you hating in the Volapi State game? Well, this is just the buildup for the battle at Bristol. Mm -hmm. I've actually heard more than one person. They won't just say, oh, the Virginia Tech game. It's the battle at Bristol. Yeah, yeah, that's, how awful is that? That's Davis Payne, isn't it? That's what he's saying. <laughs> he's one, I would say. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, it's Vols minus 20, and I think, you know, Butch Jones is coming out with something to prove this season, and they've heard so much about themselves all off season. They're going to be feeling pretty good. Dobbs will have a field day on that Appy State whatever defense. Uh, so I'm hating the Abbey State whatevers. I am too. I, I think twenty is just is a number that the balls can. I can yeah. I, I, you know, if it was if it was twenty eight, I might not bite, but I'll bite on the twenty. I think it's a twenty one at least point game. Mm -hmm. All right, next up, uh, West VFing Virginia. <laughs> Thank you. Uh huh. I, you know, I, I'm trying to be more family friendly. It's probably always not successful. Uh, it's taking on the Missouri Tigers. Uh, it's in it's in West Effing Virginia. And they, that's, it is a nine-and-a-half-point spread in favor of the Mountaineers. Who are you hating, Ellis Nuts? i got to hate the SEC in this one. I think Mizzou is finally sort of regressing to the mean after a couple of pretty good seasons. Uh, Gary Pinkle is gone. Don't know the new guy. Mm -mm. Oh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's noted uh, drunk. Get a hold of him. Oh, you know, no, no, no. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I'm talking about the Mizzou coach. Oh, who knows? Yeah, nobody knows. Uh, no, Dana Holgerson will be just fine. Uh, I think West Virginia will be wild and wonderful, mm -hmm. if you will, on that night. So I'm hating Mizzou here. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna hate on the Nears. Mm. I think I think Missouri's gonna be better. I don't think they have any choice but to be better. Uh, for some reason, I don't think West Virginia's gonna get it done this year. I don't have any science to back me up on this, but I, I think West Virginia probably wins the game, but I think it's a seven-point game. 
Uh, so I am going to hate, absolutely hate, on the nears. I mean, you can probably rest easy just knowing that Holgerson has spent the last six months in some casino back room in Biloxi. Oh, that's, oh, he's been doubling down all summer long. I love it. Um, Moo. Moo is, uh, Moo is taking on South Alabama. Moo is giving... Or South Alabama Jaguars. South Alabama Jaguars. Uh, Moo is giving 31 points. That's just a whole lot of points. So many points. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I mean, our boy Joey Jones, Alabama wide receiver, uh, is the coach there, and he's done some really positive things at USA, hashtag South in your mouth, hashtag SITM, uh, in recent years. I got to say, first off, I'm just shocked that Mississippi State didn't go on the road again for this game. Right. Playing I mean, it, Mobile's <laughs> Lad People Stadiums like it's 1952 all over. Right. Uh, but Detroit, where won't you go? Yeah, exactly. They they have no standards. Uh, and I don't really have any standards. I have no real reason to pick Moo, and I desperately would rather not because go to hell, Stingray. Uh-huh. We're coming for you. You're on notice, pal. Uh, but I just I think from the little I've read about South Alabama's team, uh, it just hasn't come together this year. So hating the Jags. Yeah, I mean I'm not. I think I think 31 is too many. Uh, just solely because state has lost so much. Uh, they don't have they don't have the Dak attack. They have one wide receiver whose name I don't know, but apparently he's pretty good. Is it he's Fred. Pretty, I is think that, they I, lost Fred. Is it Smoot? Is oh no? For, I mean, what's yes. not Smoot? Smoot's been gone a minute. Yeah, he's been he's like been gone fifteen years. What's but yeah, they have a guy coming back whose yeah, name I right. should know. And they they had one uh, defensive player. I think we may have talked about on a previous pod. Yeah who was like one of the top ten beasts that one of the writers put together that we had never heard of. Right. So there's that. The other, I'm sorry, I forgot one part, and I'm sort of interrupting you. But I think the 31, you're right, that's huge. There's no way State should really beat anybody this year by 31. Uh, But I just feel like Mullen has to overcompensate this year. He's the dude who's buying the jacked-up truck with the truck nuts in the back and the Dixie horn. I think he's coming out trying desperately to prove a point, and so I think he'll run it up as high as he can. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. I just don't think they have the, the, the horses to score 31 points, yeah. uh, 31 points more than somebody else. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hate on Moo. I mean, they're going to win the game. I just don't think they're going to cover the 31. Um, all right. In a game, another game that only Lyndon Howell cares about, the University of Kentucky is hosting the University of Southern Mississippi, and Kentucky is favored by six and a half points. Who do you hate? Who? Who? Uh, man, I don't know. I, I think Stoops is probably in his last year at Kentucky, which is just like the saddest thing you can say about a person. It's like that, that joke. It's actually a Twitter joke about who is this clown? It's the worst thing you can say because not only does it imply they're a clown, but you don't even know what clown they are. Exactly. Uh, so that's how I'm feeling about Stoops. I I think they cover here, uh, but I don't know. I guess I'm hating the cats. Okay, yeah. I, I, this one is. I'm gonna hate. I'm gonna I hate. I, I think we got it backwards. I'm hating. You're hating the Golden Eagles. I'm hating the Golden Eagles. Thank you. I'm gonna hate the cats. I think. Southern is finally is pulling it together. Southern Mississippi is going to win 10 games this year, I think. Uh, they're not a bad team this year. Uh, it's amazing what has happened in, in the two years when they've went 0-12 and 
hired a farmer as her strength coach, and now they've actually got a real coaching staff because there's some talent down there. Uh, whether they can go up to Kentucky and win or not, I don't know, uh, but I think they can keep it within six. Uh, so I'm going to hate on the Cats. I think Southern covers that number. And Southern, uh, actually, I will, to your point, they are led, again, by a senior from Spain Park High School in Hoover, Nick Mullins. Huh. Uh, he was on everybody's radar a few years back. He's just a little undersized, but he's a good quarterback and gave Alabama uh, fits for at least a quarter a couple that, of years ago. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, and then one of the two, all right, we've got two more games that are horribly uninteresting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arkansas is, is favored by 26 at Louisiana Tech. I think we both think Arkansas covers that. Sure. All right, next up, Florida is uh, giving 35 University of Massachusetts. I think Florida covers the 35. You do not. I have no real reason except that 35 seems, <laughs> in this case, excessive. I don't think McIlwain has anything to prove, unlike uh, one Dan Mullen. And right. UMass actually has a couple, if not three, SEC teams on the schedule. So surely, surely to God, uh, they've been recruiting and practicing and trying to do better. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let's get started with the games that matter, shall we? Uh, we're going to start uh, on the uh, that village on the plains. Not and, a plain. And the, yeah, on the plain. Uh, Auburn. I think it. We. I had it at seven. But I think it's gone up to seven and a half. Clemson yeah. is favored by seven and a half on uh, at Auburn with it not having a lake against Clemson, Auburn with a lake. Uh, so who do you hate, my friend? Man, I let me just say I hate this line, and really I hate this game. Uh, leave it to freaking Kevin Skarbinski to point out that really this is there are three or four outcomes for this game that are positive for Auburn. Because nobody loves a moral victory like those Barners on the plane. Uh, I think that's exactly what they come away here with, frankly. Obviously, they're outmatched. Deshaun Watson has no business even standing on the same field as those scrubs on the Auburn defense. Uh, we saw how they came out of the gate last year against Leonard Fournette. Well, it wasn't out of the gate, but the first half of the season, I think that defense will probably not be that much improved particularly when you consider that they've had numerous starters leave the team, we'll say, uh, mm-hmm. one to pursue a career in politics. Right, right. Cool yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Um, but I just hate this game. It's a night game. It's at Auburn. And I think it's weird enough. I, I really, in my mind, just cannot picture them winning. But I do think they keep it uh, way too close for comfort. And I'm taking the points, hating the Deshaun Dabos. Wow. Um, okay. Talk to me. Clemson should just win this game by 21. They should. Right. But it's it's at Auburn, and you're right. I mean, I've, I've already got money on Clemson. So I'll, I'll disclose that. Theoretically. But, right. For entertainment but, purposes only. Right. Yes. No wagering. Um, the thing is, yeah. The number is too small. Yep. Everything happens weird down there. Yep. Um, oh, so, you're already I mean, regretting it. No, I'm not. Because here's the thing. <laughs> Why is this number so small? I don't understand it. When a number is is this off what it should be, it makes me think the boys in the desert know something that we don't. Yep. And I don't know what that thing is. It didn't stop me from betting it. 
Uh, so I'm going to go with my bet. I'm going to hate on uh, the barn, but man, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they kept it close. Oh, yeah, and I think there are a lot of people pouring a lot of money on Clemson, which is always a red flag. Exactly. And Those bet, idiots, am I right? Just bit, just like everybody else did. All right. Uh, the University of Georgia Bulldogs are playing in Atlanta against North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, the line is two and a half in favor of the Georgia Bulldogs. Who are you hating, Mr. Metz? It'll be, we don't really know what to expect out of Kirby Smart at this point. I think time will show that he's ultimately in over his head, at least for this season. Uh, but that said, I've seen Nick Chubb. And I've seen the UNC defense, and I just don't think there's any way that they can contain him. I think he has a field day, does whatever he wants. He's going to be well-rested and hungry after missing most of last season. Uh, I think Georgia wins, not a blowout, but maybe in the 6-10 to 10 range. So hating uh, the heels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it came out today that Nick Chubb uh, – has been given a green light to play, and that there will that he doesn't have a pitch count. He they're going to run him. They're going to run him like they we ran Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with I'm I'm tempted to switch switch my picks. I was leaning toward hating on Georgia on this and going with UNC because UNC's offense really is tremendous, and with uh, a brand new head coach and without a whole lot of because you know. Uh, Kirby, you know, Kirby worked the national championship game, so he has not spent as much time with, in Georgia as an ordinarily first, mm-hmm. an ordinary first year coach would. Uh, so I don't really, uh, I just think there's a, a whole lot unknown about about Georgia, and I'm not going to bite on Georgia until I see them, mm-hmm. and I know what UNC can do, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So I'm going to hate on Georgia. I think. I mean, I this is. This is a game I just don't know. Yeah, it's it's even if the line were bigger, I don't think I would know. I will point out, uh, I believe it was the first game of last season that UNC lost to a South Carolina team that was truly garbage. Yeah. And I sort of feel bad for talking about garbage that way. Right. Uh, just a, a really terrible team uh, from a Spurrier who had totally checked out. So uh, maybe they're ready to start. Fresh, maybe they're still going to show those troubles. It's hard to say. Yeah, gotcha. All right, uh, LSU travels to Wisconsin. And, oh, man. And I know. And what I, I would give. It's not a home-and-home, home, but damn, I sure would like to be playing in Lambeau. And they are playing Wisconsin in Lambeau, and LSU is favored by nine-and-a-half points. Who do you hate, pal? This is, I'm proud to say, my hate of the week. The week, the week, the week. Nicely done. I appreciate you picking me up always. Uh, I think the Fournette we saw at the beginning of last season will be present at least for the beginning of this season. He may show that he can't sustain an entire season, but surely all that slap boxing and whatever else he's been doing right. and, and shoe purchases. Uh, oh, oh he, got, he got him some fly shoes. He yeah. did have some fly shoes. I can't hate there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he will come out just a man possessed again like we saw uh for the first three or four games last season and i think whiskey who is probably a fine team uh just won't know what's hit him uh hopefully surely not hopefully so much but surely les miles has found someone who can throw the ball five yards downfield uh in which case you can't put 11 men ready to stop fournette 
Uh, so I think LSU just really overpowers them here, scores a good bit of points on their own end and probably doesn't allow many. Hayton, whiskey, big. Yeah, same here. Uh, for all the reasons you said, in addition, like the but like the South Carolina Vanderbilt game, I think the under is the play here. Because uh, I mean, look, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see Wisconsin scoring more than ten points, and <clears throat> even if LSU scores thirty-one, they're still hitting the under. So um, I think the under is the play. But I think you're absolutely right for all the reasons you said. Uh, I'm hating on whiskey as well. Gosh, that uh, is going to be the most fun game to go to, though. Oh man, I wish we were there. Ugh, can't worry. even. Can't even. I know. Speaking of places I didn't, I would not want to be though. Orlando is hosting Florida State and the Ole Miss Rebels, where Florida State is giving the Rebs four points. Who do you hate? I just don't know what Ole Miss brings this year. Obviously, they've still got Chad Kelly, uh, their number one running back, or at least one of their top two running backs. Uh, was suspended for the season on a some sort of clerical administrative error. Sort of old list problem, yeah. Yeah, yeah, classic. Um, so I, I suspect their defense will be fine. I mean, it's the best defense money can buy. Mm-hmm. And their offense will be okay. I, From the reports I've heard out of Tallahassee and Laud, if you can avoid them, do. Uh, I think FSU brings a pretty good team this year. I think FSU actually wins this game, but I like Hottie Toddy to cover, so I'm hating the Knowles. I this is my hate of the week. Of the week. Of the week. The week. Exactly. And here's why, based on nothing other than Ole Miss is the perennial September national champion. Uh that nobody no team plays better in September. They will find themselves number one at the end of September, because they will beat the hell out of everybody in September, and then they will coast and, and find themselves with four losses by the end of the year. So for that reason, not only do I think Ole Miss covers the four, I think Ole Miss wins this game outright. Oh, Lord. Because that is what they do in September. They're going to be so insufferable. Oh, the worst. Until somebody until they end up losing to Arkansas. Yeah, right. Texas A&M. Exactly. Ugh. All right. Final game of the year. Who that? Final game of the podcast of this podcast. Of, of the uh, current your podcast. Your Tide travels to Dallas, to Jerry World, to take on the University of Southern California fighting Trojans, where your Crimson Tide is favored by 11 football points. Tell me what you think, friend. Oh, I'm going to start out with some negativity, I've got to say. Do it. Because I've played this game over and over in my head for the past couple months, and all I can really see is a train wreck. I think both teams will finish as good teams, uh, but if it's anything like the Alabama we've seen really the past few seasons, uh, we just sort of come out with a lack of identity, and I don't know if it's the jitters or what, but I think the first game always we don't see our best football. Uh, That's the case when we have a really great team, I'm not convinced we have a really great team. I would say we have a good team this year. So I think a good team uh, will come out and look a little worse than we've even seen. I think we'll see turnovers. I suspect there will be at least one defensive touchdown, maybe two, and I'm not just saying on the Alabama side of the ball. Our defense will be enough, frankly. Uh, Eddie Jackson, I suspect, will have a great day. 
I don't know. I, I think we'll rely on Bo Scarborough in the backfield all day. Probably, I could see him getting 30 carries and Harris getting 20. I could see us really pounding the rock uh, and, and hopefully keeping the ball out of our quarterback's hands any more than they have to. Maybe if we do that, that will open up one or two deep balls where we can launch it and Kiffin can throw his hands up and that'll be cool. I, I, when I saying that, I think Kiffin will have a trick or two up his sleeve for his former school because uh, he has proven to be nothing if not petty. Right. Okay. So I think he'll have a target on something in their defense that will expose. All that to say, I think it's just a brutal game to watch, but the tide pulls it out and covers. I like Bama 24-12, and, and by that score, I hope you see that weird stuff is probably going to happen. 24-12, Hayton, the Trojans. All right. I, I, I agree with you, man. These games, we, we open these games weird, mm-hmm. all right? Uh, when we open, I mean, we never open it at our at full strength. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. Um, and like our friend of the program and Professor Ben Litvin was commenting today. And ordinarily, in all these games, these first games, we had a complete advantage on one side of the field mm-hmm. against the other team. Uh, you know, it, it varied from from game to game about which which area, you know, which which part of the game it was that we had an advantage in. But we had a complete advantage, whether, you know, offense, defense, whatever. Here, the only severe advantage that we have, comparable to those games, is our offense, uh, our running game, against their defensive interior line. Mm -hmm. So the advantages are not as strong this year as they were in years past. So which, And given that we don't really play as well as we ordinarily do in the first game, it makes me think that it's going to be a fairly close game fairly late. Uh, but as you said, I do think that Lane Kiffin will be uh, just as petty as he ever has been. Love and him. Love I know, it's wonderful. Uh, and I think, so because of that, I think we score some points. Uh, so I think it is, I think we're cl- close to tied fairly late. Uh, in the 24 range, I think, Maybe we score a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And I think we do finally grind them down. And I think we pull out a win 38-24. That is way closer than the score appears. I mean, we may even dig deep and get, like, a wide receiver pass, some reverses. I think we're going to do – I mean, that that's classic given is to get the ball yeah. in the playmaker's hands however he has to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. So I, I, like you, will hate – on the fighting Trojans in this game. So, that'll do it for mm. another edition of Houndstooth Heroes. Remember, you can check the website called houndstoothheroes.com. Or you can find us on Facebook, or you can follow us on Twitter at H2Theroes. And remember, we will be posting a link to the uh, USC uh, documentary Against the Tide on the website and the website alone. Uh, so if you'd like to check that out, visit the website uh, tomorrow and we will get that up for you. So thanks again for joining us. So take us home, brother. Yep, and uh, another reminder that we have just discovered that uh, people can rate our podcast on iTunes. So if this was truly just the most horrible podcast you've ever heard, the way to express that is to go in and uh, give it five stars on the iTunes Houndstooth Heroes page. So do that. Come up with a funny name. Shout out to Faux Scarborough, which I thought was solid. Uh, And we'll do better next time. Y'all be good. Roll Tide.